What's going on, everybody? Welcome to E. Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian podcast. You're rocking with the best. Everyone, it's Baladia Jamale. Hey, it's Kira. Everybody, Jared Krieger. Hey, everybody, it's Marissa Papa Constantino here. Hey, everyone, it's Misha Powell. Hey, I'm Kirsten Paz. Hey, guys, Alicia here. Hey, guys, this is Tia Devin. Hey, guys, my name is Khadija. Make sure you check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you to head over to the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. And I want you guys to check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you all to do me a favor and go check out the Inner Olympian podcast. You don't want to miss it. You won't regret it. Going on, everybody, and welcome to the Inner Olympian podcast. Where the goal is to inspire you to exceed what you believe is possible and achieve the things that you actually want to achieve by tapping into your inner Olympian. My name is Shego McIndy. I am a two-time Canadian Olympian, and I am your host. Listen, I believe that you don't need to go to the Olympics to be an Olympian. I believe that being an Olympian comes down to the way that you think, act, and live, and that everyone has the potential to tap into their inner Olympian by changing their mindset, not only to better their own life, but the lives of those around them. This is episode 28, and if this is your first time listening, hey, welcome to this show, and thanks for listening. And for those of you who've been listening for a while now, as always, I want to give you a big shout out. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all the love and the support. It means a lot, and I appreciate you. You know, it's really amazing to see how much this podcast and the idea has grown, and I'm always going to say this, but I'm super grateful for the impact that it's having, and I really hope that it continues um, to grow, you know, for years to come, uh, quite frankly. All right. In this episode, I get to chat with U Windsor alumni, Adidas athlete, and the beer mile world record holder, Corey Belmore. Um, Corey is a U Windsor alumni, like I said, Adidas athlete, national 1500 meter medalist, 2014 CIS and now U Sport National Gold Medalist in the 4x8. Um, they also have the CIS record, the U Sport record in, in, in the 4x8. But also the 2013 uh, CIS National Silver Medalist in the 4x8. Like I said, he's the beer mile world record holder. Can you believe that? It's, it's actually kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, but he's also been featured in uh, you know magazines such as Canadian Running, Fortune Magazine, a draft magazine, Bleacher Report, CBC, and has even appeared on TMZ um, twice, actually. Now, this episode is um, jam-packed, and like it really, it is, if you think about it, in terms of the usual um, podcast times for these episodes. Um, this one's a little bit shorter, but I mean, we talked about a lot. And you know, the funny thing about this episode, it was a really laid back episode as you're listening to it. I think it's probably one of the most laid back episodes that I've recorded, but at the same time, like so much packed into it. We chatted about, you know, putting uh, uh, putting in the work. We chatted about putting in the work, um, getting around the right environment, handling pressure, making tough choices, taking advantage of opportunities, believing in your dreams, pushing yourself to the next level. Uh, handling negativity, finding joys in things outside of your main focus, uh, being more multidimensional in your thinking and experience. And I mean, like, you know, so much more. So it was really uh, fun and really cool conversation um, to have and, and to be a part of. And I think one of the biggest things for me in this episode, um, it was like this idea around days being good, just not being the same. And that's fine. So you don't need to necessarily reminisce on old days or the way it was in the past because 
yeah, it might have been in the past, but you're now living, you know, a new day and that's it. It's just a new day and the opportunity is there for it to be an amazing day and a great day and perhaps even better than, you know, it was in the past. So I'll kind of leave it at that because in the actual conversation, it sounds a lot better than the way I just explained it. Um, but, you know, without further ado, this is a great, great conversation. So shout out to Corey. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. And yeah, without further ado, here's Corey. All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Inner Olympian podcast. I have a really special guest with me. I'm really excited to have Corey Billmore on the show. Corey, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me, my friend. Yeah, man. This is gonna be this is gonna be pretty awesome. Um, quick, real quick for everybody listening, Corey is a U Windsor alumni. Uh, Adidas athlete, national 1500 meter medalist, beer mile world record holder, 2014 CIS, now U Sport, national gold medalist in the 800, 4x800, they actually, and they uh, broke the CIS record uh, for that, I believe. Uh, 2013 CIS national silver medalist in the 4x8, and he's also been fe- featured in a whole bunch of magazines Canadian Running, Fortune Magazine, uh, Draft Magazine, Bleacher Report, CBC, and fun fact, uh, has appeared on TMZ. Twice for those of you who are who pay attention to TMZ or watch TMZ, I didn't know that. I think that's that's really interesting. But <laughs> yeah, Corey, that's awesome, man. Thanks for again, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do it. Yeah, thanks for the introduction, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty sweet, Corey. So, always want to start out with kind of letting people um, know a little bit of a background of how you kind of got into um, the sport, kind of the, your journey to where you are today. So. Kind of run us through that, man. Run us through kind of how you got into track and field because I don't think you always. And this is interesting as like a side note. Like I don't think a lot, a lot of people who started off in track and field, most of them, at least in Canada for the most part, didn't really start off doing track and field. Like you, you swam. Like you were a swimmer, right? If I'm not correct. Yeah. So I uh, like growing up, always just loved like I loved sprinting all the time. Like no matter where it was, basement, uh, like chasing my brother around, or like backyard racing my dog. So I just, I had a like love for like running in general and was always surrounded by like my parents running growing up. I would just always bike next to them and I enjoyed getting out. And then I think once I got old enough to join a cross country team, my dad, like he was very supportive. My, my mom was very supportive and they said like, I think you should try it out. Like you seem to like it. So I tried it out, really enjoyed it. And then didn't focus on it too seriously. Like still did some other sports, played basketball. Um, and then in high school, I swam quite a bit, as you said. I think once I got to like my senior years of high school, I started really focusing on it a lot more. And then university, it was just like, that's when I started dialing in a little more and actually started finding a little more success. I made my first Canadian team like in grade 12, I believe. And um, from there, I've just uh, been learning and learning and learning and meeting a lot of great people, traveling to a lot of great places. And um, every day, like, you reflect on like why you do the sport and there's so many reasons that like bring you back to, to why you do it. So yeah, it's, it's been an incredible journey so far, but still think I have a long way to go. So how did you know that track and field, like for you, I guess as a sport, how did you know that you want to kind of dive into that? Because it's not a sport that necessarily like, you know, brings in or I guess not brings in, but it's known for like, you know, having national exposure or bringing in like, you know, millions of dollars in terms of a sport that someone would pursue. 
And it's not like a career, like, you know, let's say being a doctor or anything like that, that someone would want to get into maybe for like the money or like the, um, I guess the words coming to mind is like prestige when it comes to like society, like right. you know, how people look at it. So what was it for you that kind of made you decide or kind of go into it like wholeheartedly, like 100% committed? Because I think there's a moment for that for every person in track and field with like, all right, I'm in this 110%. So what was that moment for you? Um, I think like, I think the biggest thing I've learned, like the sport fits my personality type. So like, it's a sport that's not really like, it's not like super prestigious to most people. Like if you're looking at like sports, like basketball, football, soccer, whatnot, um, it's a close knit community. So it just fits my personality type. Like, I don't like the, I don't like big exposure. I don't like being celebrated necessarily. (laughs) Like I like being in a sport to like pursue my own goals. Like, Mm-hmm. it's not about it's not about any recognition or anything like that i just like to see like how hard i can train myself it's it's a simple sport like how hard you push yourself every day how good your diet is how good your sleep is recovery there's so many aspects and it's all on you to be your best you know so i think it was like once i did a track camp in grade six seven mm-hmm. um and like was just surrounded by a lot of older athletes from the university uh, like jamie jenny nelson uh oc Naregu, um there's a lot of really hannah garten so there's a lot of good people that i'm surrounded by yeah and they taught me like the sport was just it it was like a de-stressor you know like from a young age i learned that like you go to the track you get your work done you have fun you have the rest of the day to like i guess celebrate that sort of like work you put in Mm -hmm. Uh, pick your feet up like feel good about it and yeah it just took your mind off everything else so it was a bit of like work hard play hard but like at the end of the day like there's so many aspects to track and field that like you can you can dive into like i know like you said like prestigious money all that it doesn't come with track and field necessarily at least i mean at the top end maybe but like not throughout um the whole sport itself but it's more or less about like i love traveling you know i love meeting people mm-hmm. i love the simplicity of it so that's what really drew me to track and field those aspects yeah, it's pretty cool. And I can totally relate, obviously. I mean, number one, being a track athlete, but it's like being able to come to the track and kind of separate everything that's going on, like in your world at the time, like put that away and just like come to the track and focus on what you have to do at the track, pushing yourself, you know, to the limit, kind of seeing how far you can go. And then, you know, celebrating the fact that you're able to like go to that, to that place. And then, it's almost like, you know, you can come back and kind of face whatever it is you got to face, like, in quote unquote, mm-hmm. like the real world afterwards. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It's, it's just a nice break. And like, even if stuff is going on out in your like outside re- world and stuff like that, I feel like when you're in the sport, sometimes even on like recovery runs and stuff like that, I can like formulate thoughts a lot better and like, mm. really, truly take time to think about like the best scenario for things in my life. So. I always, I always joked around to my friends. I'm like, if a job interview was done while I was running, I think I would have the best job interview. <laughs> like, that's when my thoughts just come to me. That's when my mind is working the best. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is really crazy. Yeah, that, that's funny. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I think I would agree with you on that one as well. Because <laughs> you, you really are like yourself. You know, like you're not really like. It's it's really I guess almost like you and like you're like not in your element, in like your prowess form, like you're not coming with any type of like, you know, um, I don't know. You're not, you're not trying to pretend to be anybody else. 
not trying to like fit anything. This is just like it's it's who you are, and you're like you're like putting yourself out there. And if and if everybody has a problem with that, well, then they have to deal with you. You know, like on the track. You know, in in that split moment, you can make exactly. decisions better. If it just feels like it, like it's just more of who you are. Like you get more of who you are at the track versus like in a small room with people sitting at a desk and you know, and you're and you're in a suit and tie. So. Totally Agreed. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like anyone can put on a suit and tie and like put on a big front and fake it, you know. But I think like when you're on the track and stuff like that, and you're being asked questions or like kids are looking up to you and looking for advice, like that's the real you, you know. You give them, you give them everything you know, you know. So yeah, yeah, you're right. And you can't fake it too on the track. You know, you can talk a big game, right? But then you have to put in the work when it comes down yeah, to you, the track. <laughs> that's also like the hard thing about it though, you know, like your your time's a reflection of the work you put in or like your performance that day, you know, like how you're feeling, what's going on. Yeah. So it can also be hard in that sense. Like you can't really hide from your performances or like what's going on, you know? Mm. You live with the times you put down and they're always like, they're always in the results, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Um, as much as like we, like we separate, you know, like we said earlier, your personal life or whatever else is going on outside of the track from the track, like you separate those two, that still plays a part when you're actually on the track, which I think is kind of weird, right? So you separate it. So you're like, I'm not dealing with this stuff right now. I'm just, I'm just here at the track. However, all those things do play a part into how you actually then show up at the mm-hmm. track to do what you have to do, which I think is kind of, it's inter- it's kind of like a weird, like, I don't know, paradox or dynamic or, you know, what have you, but like, what do you think about the effects of, things outside the track on the track or or how do you like deal with that and manage that so that you keep on having like the results like you said and the times that you want to have on the track um so like training days obviously like you can have bad training days and bounce back pretty quick from that uh i think races though like it's a bit harder on the the mind and like your mental game like my coach always taught me like you set a window so like whether it's like four hours after race or two hours after race you can give yourself those times to feel whatever emotion you're going to feel you let it happen, you know, you think about it, you reflect on it. But after those four hours, two hours are up, whatever that, you need to like have short-term memory. You need to move, move on, like learn how to bounce back and learn how to like be better next time. You can't dwell on that too much or else like it puts such a strain on your mental, like you're, you're draining yourself, you know? So yeah, um, I, I think just like setting some sort of precedence towards how long you can dwell on the situation of the race or whatnot, not let it define you. You have to mm-hmm. really put that in, in perspective. Why do you think it's easier to bounce back from a bad training day versus a bad like competition? Because you can hide behind training days, you know. Like <laughs> you can't really hide behind races. Like bad training days, you have to know. Like obviously, bad races are going to happen eventually, but there's mm-hmm. no hiding from them. Like the times out there, like I said, and training days, it's just you, your coach, your teammates, whatever, everyone that accepts you. And uh, I think you're a little more comfortable in that like environment. But when it comes to races, like it's a bunch of people just like judging your performance and you know that like you feel that a lot more um i think you feel it more than even maybe people are i I think you feel it more than you think than Mm. what's actually going on yeah i think you make a good point in terms of like you can you can kind of hide in practice like not like you can hide in practice but it's just like you know you can come out to practice and it's like okay this is a bad it's it's not really there's, there's nothing really on the line in in practice i mean there is of course because you're getting ready for a competition you're getting ready for a race but there's nothing really on the line that's like okay you know this kind of do or die type thing um or the mentality isn't necessarily um do or die like you said you know let's say you have a bad rep or whatever you can you can always come back and kind of make up for it but you don't get reps in, in races right right and like you have one good race and you can get to like big races the next weekend like you can get it's a very quick quick pace uh sport like 
mm-hmm. big things can happen week after week after week. So like, I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself, like going into races and being like, well, from the shape I was in at practice and like I race like that, big things can happen. I can get like X amount of prize, prize money at this meet or like next week and I can go to like a diamond league or like an international meet or whatnot or qualify for world championships, NACAX, whatever it is. I think you put a lot more pressure race after race as opposed to training. It's like you have three records in a week. So if one of them is bad, it's not so bad. You have another one to bounce back. Yeah. Race are a little more spread out. So it's like you have a lot of time to think about that one race that didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like that opportunity comes around. What, what am I trying to say here? The opportunities to race are very few and like are very few, just, just in general, like very few. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, you, but training wise, like you almost train every single day, right? So mm-hmm. like it, does, it doesn't matter. Like, oh yeah, I had a bad training day. Well, I am guaranteed another training day. Like I'm guaranteed mm-hmm. another training day versus I'm not necessarily guaranteed another competition unless I run well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's why I think like some people can train unbelievably well and then not race so well. There's so many different aspects to racing. Like whether you put pressure on yourself, whether you burn yourself out. Yeah. There's just a lot of the dynamics to racing, like tactics and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's just part of the sport. I mean, you, you learn you learn to bounce back quicker and you learn to train. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but that's just like life too. Like you have bad races, you have bad days in life. They, they come and go, but at the end of the day, as long as you pick your feet back up and wake up the next day, like it's a new day, you're good to go. Yeah. What do you think has been like the biggest thing you've learned so far in terms of like your track and field, like career or experience? Um, don't, don't let people tell you what you love or don't let people steer you in any which way. Like uh, after university, I was like ready to like give up the sports order just because I felt like the pressure to like everyone else getting a job, moving on with their lives, like not doing sports anymore, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I felt a lot of like judgment in that sense. And, uh, and then I realized at the end of the day, like I truly do love the sport. I'm young. Like why would I give this up for something I can do the rest of my life? I think it's important to truly follow your passion and i think good things will come out of that like you'll meet a lot of good people you'll travel to great places like i've talked about and you'll be healthy and push your body to the limit like i think <laughs> i think that's so val- valuable in itself you know being healthy and being mentally like happy and healthy as well that's the biggest thing in life you know like yeah. finding the happiness and finding what makes you wake up and what makes you tick every day is like that's what you need that's what everyone's striving to find so if, if you've already found like that at, at this point in your life then why would you give it up? Yeah. How did you navigate like that kind of period where you were not sure and you had like, you know, you kind of felt the pressure to go straight into like, you know, the the workforce and all that stuff. How did you navigate that? Or how would you, or what advice would you give for somebody who's maybe trying to navigate that? Um, honestly, I just felt like pressure from other people. So uh, if you feel pressure from other people and it's not the way you want to go, then I don't think necessarily those people should be in your life or in your corner, you know, hmm. like I, I'll be completely honest. Like it took like a bad breakup to, to figure out what I want to do and like Ooh. what I want to pursue. So it's, it's, it's just the way of the world, you know, like yeah. I, I'm happy for it. It taught me a lot. Like there's a lot of good memories, but like at the end of the day, like it was meant to be like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. And like, I, I've loved the last couple of years of track and field and like, I'm more excited to, to keep training and keep racing and see what more I can do. You're talking breakup, like relationship breakup. Yes, yes, yes. That's interesting because, you know, I, I had somebody else on the show talk about that too. And it's kind of one of those, like those sacrifices that 
It, it sounds so cliche, but it's like, it, it, it is one of those things that like th- some of those tough choices that you have to make in terms of like, what's good for you and what's good for you going forward. And like, you know, your dreams and your goals and your aspirations and, and all those things, right. You go, you're always going to, you're going to face those tough decisions of like, you know, this is one thing that I know is good, but this is one thing that I know that is good. And that, you know, that I want kind of more mm-hmm. than anything. Right. Yeah. That just sometimes like I know uh, in some ways or another, like every athlete, in order to be good, you need to be selfish. That doesn't make you like a bad person or anything. Mm. It's just, I think you need to put your craft and like what you're working hard towards first and foremost. And like, I think mm. the people around you need to understand like why you're being the way you are. And like, if you're going to training and have to miss certain things, like it's not because you don't want to be there, you know, it's because you have, you have goals as well. And, and, you want to pursue those and if you don't have like go to certain opportunities or train the cert like in certain ways or like put your best foot forward i think you're going to miss out on a lot of things that like could have been there it's just important not to like live with regrets you know you need to you need to be as balanced as possible but you also need to like do everything you can to be the best athlete you can mm-hmm. yeah the big version of yourself you kind of have that theme of like pushing yourself to the limit like i think i think i was reading an article in cbc you were in and you mentioned that you're like you you just want to push your body like you know to the limit to kind of see how far you can go like what does that like mean for you because it seems like it comes up a lot um (laughs) i know it sounds weird but like when i feel pain in a workout like i just want to push harder it's weird it's weird to sound like i know fellow athletes know that know this feeling but like to the average person i feel like it's just like you sound a bit like (laughs) like a psychopath you know (laughs) (laughs) but then the day like you know that pain like good things are going to come from that pain Mm. you know certain pain at least not yeah. not injured pain but like no. pushing your muscles the absolute limit feeling that lactic and like pushing through it you know eventually like your body's gonna respond to that it's gonna get better from that so like i just enjoy that like feeling of like feeling the progress you literally feel it you know you can you can mm. you, you can feel the sweat coming off your body you can feel your muscles aching you can wake up the next morning knowing the work you did is like a reflection of all that hard work and like a week down the road your muscles are going to be recovered you're going to feel like 10 times better you're going to feel more fit it's like a constant process to that. I just love feeling that progress and love feeling like just the pain of like putting in the work that you know is going to pay off. Huh. That's really interesting. I never thought about it that way before of like mm-hmm. being able to like feel the progress, but I connect with that. That's true. Like I think in those, in those moments where like, I'm thinking about workouts that I've done, where like I've really pushed myself or, you know, my coach is like really like, just like, you know, push me on the edge and just like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but like, even though you don't know if you're going to make it or even though like, you know, I don't, I don't know for you, like maybe in that, in that last mile or whatever, that last repeat, like you feel like you're going to die. It's exciting because you know that you're at the edge of like, I'm going to, I'm going to be further than this by doing this work. It's exciting pain. <laughs> in a weird way. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think like, it's even easier to like, you know, that you, you felt that feeling so many times that that's easier to visualize, like being in a race or being in certain situations because like, it's exact same sort of feeling you're going to feel in a race, you know, you can pinpoint it. So yeah. In training, when you're like feeling those feelings, it's like, you can think of it. This is the last hundred meters of the race. This is the last like 10 meters of that hurdle that, that I have to push, you know, hmm. it's, it's, it's that 1% that like every elite athlete is looking for. So Oof. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. You're right. I totally agree with that. hundred percent. I want to talk more now about something else that you become a bit like known for, which is the beer mile. And so for those of you who are listening, you are hearing from, like I mentioned earlier, the the official and current beer mile world record holder. So 
you know, it's, it's an honor, number one, to be <laughs> talking to you, man. But also, too, you know, it, it's it's really interesting because in a sport like like track and field, right, I think a lot of people think there's only one way to to achieve kind of the success that they want to see or achieve. And it's really interesting how you were kind of able to find your own way to get there through something that was kind of like obscure at the time. I mean, for those who don't know, explain kind of how that all came about and like just, I guess, the process of just kind of how that all came the about. Journey. Yeah, the journey. The journey, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think it was, it was uh, 2016. Well, in 2014 or 2015, so it would have been my third year, I tried to beer my for the first time. Uh, just as a joke with teammates after the end of the season, just for fun, no pressure. Like we are fit. It, it's like something everyone calls binge week. People are, like have some parties and stuff like that. So we did a beer mile. Went home that night. Like didn't think much of it. Whatever. It was a fun time. Didn't think about it ever again until two years later. One of my buddies, his best friend, had the beer mile world record at the time, and it was Lewis Kent from London. Mm. So I always joked around, like, man, I'm a good chugger. Like, I bet you I could beat that. Like, <laughs> just being myself, you know, joking around. And yeah, that same friend, like, kept hearing me say that, like, joking around about it. So one night he showed up, like, I'd worked uh, three hours in the morning, eight hours after that at the running store. So it was an 11-hour day, and I was pretty pooched, like, eating dinner, really tired. And I get a text from him, and he says, hey, man, I'm down the street. Like, I have a six-pack. It's about to get dark out. I want you to try a beer mile while we can still film it. I'm like, dude, is this guy crazy? Like, I'm eating pasta right now. Like, I'm not doing a beer mile. Anyways, he convinced me. Guy's the best at like convincing people to do things. Uh, so he convinced me to do one, and then we filmed it at the track. Ended up breaking the world record. Fun fact: before that race, I've, I've actually never told anyone, but like, I was pretty sick before that race, and I was like, literally spitting up blood before that race because my oh, throat was just mangled. <laughs> uh, but anyways, did that beer mile, posted the video on YouTube or whatever, or Canadian Running did. And then there was a bunch of articles and stuff like that following like that night, the next morning. And then I got a message from the Beer Mile World Classic Facebook account. They said like, hey man, we want to fly you to England. We have a race this weekend. What do you think about coming? Like, we'll pay for your trip, whatever. Just hop on a flight. We'll take care of you. I was like, dude, this sounds like, this doesn't sound real. <laughs> <laughs> I did this thing last night for fun, like not expecting anything, not trying to get sponsorships, not trying to do anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then they fly me out to England, break the world record there. A couple months later, like in the talks with an agent and like deals start popping up, little things start popping up. And it was mm -hmm. just like a different way to market yourself, I guess. Like yeah. um, some people hate it. Some people like think it's cool or whatever, but like at the end of the day, it's just different. So yeah, even the fact that like featured on TMZ, I mean... We always joke around like there's no such thing there's no such thing as bad press. There probably is such thing as bad press, but when it comes to the beer mile, like it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like four beers, it's playful, whatever. It's not like I'm trying I'm not trying to promote drinking or anything like that, but it was an event I competed in, took seriously just because I'm a competitive person and then ended up like gaining a lot from it and yeah. Like, honestly couldn't be more thankful for the people I've met through it. Like the place I've traveled and the opportunities I've been given, truly like blessed in that sense. That's super cool, and it's also like it's it's you kind of being yourself, right? You're just doing what it is that you're like. Hey, I'm just gonna do this. This is like completely you, right? And mm -hmm. it's it's interesting how being completely you and not trying to fit into anything led to everything that you would well not I guess yeah everything that you could potentially kind of want. You know what I mean? In some ways, like you're living some people's dream, right? Like I mean, being sponsored by like Adidas. 
in, in track and field and also like um, being sponsored by like a beer company, you know, like you're living some people's like kind of ultimate dream of like, you know, I, they love to be sponsored by a beer company. But yeah, I know. You know what I mean? It's crazy. <laughs> even, even people here, like, like Flying Monkeys, my beer sponsor, they set up like a, a tap in my basement. So like they'll send kegs and no way. If I ever want to have people over entertain or whatnot, they'll send like beer kegs. So like people think that's like the absolute craziest thing. And like, <laughs> it, it is pretty insane, you know, like I'm grateful, <laughs> I'm humbled. Like it, it is amazing. But like, I think over the years, like I've gotten used to it. So like when I truly reflect and look back, I'm like, damn, this is, this is weird. You know, like this is, yeah. if you would have told young Corey this, I would have been like, no way. Like <laughs> definitely not. This is crazy. Like there's no way that guy did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely helped. And like, I mean, I get ridiculed for it in, in some ways. But at the end of the day, like I always say, if those people had a conversation with me or actually knew me, like they would understand, like they would have done the same thing I did or like, you know, they would have been appreciative just like me for the situation. Like you can't just, you can't let things like this go, especially in track and field. There's only so many opportunities, so many windows for like big things like sponsorships or whatnot to come that like when they do come, you got to go all in, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you got to be fellow. Definitely not a solo, but uh, when opportunities come and they present themselves, you do everything you can to like keep them, make make sure like you keep your sponsors happy. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I didn't think maybe this is just me, but I didn't think that you know, I guess you would face as much kind of backlash from it. So how how have you dealt with like, you know, I guess the the negative side. I think it's just me. Like at the end of the day, like I've dealt with it by just trying to be a better track athlete every year. Like it's not like I'm just a beer mile being defined as some frat boy that parties and, and runs, you know, like I'm a serious mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Sure. The beer mile, but that doesn't define me. That doesn't make me any, any different of an athlete. So at the end of the day, like, like I said, if people get to know me or want to hear my story or want to talk to me and like I can get to know my character, I think like, I hope they like me. Um, you can't make everyone like you, but I think like I stand for, like good values. I think I was raised by a good family. So at the end of the day, like I like being a track athlete. I like not taking myself too seriously, which is what the beer mile, like <laughs> I wouldn't do the beer mile if I didn't take, my, or if I <laughs> take myself seriously. I wouldn't do the beer mile, but like Fair enough, yeah. I'm just a chill guy that likes to have fun and likes to work hard. And that's me. Yeah. Pretty simple dude. That's cool. Who do you think has had like, you know, the biggest influence on your mindset when it comes to like training and competition? Um, man, everyone I've ever encountered in my life, like they've shaped who I am. I think first and foremost is my family, like very close to my family, very close to my twin brother and then coaches. My coaches have always been like low key, come to the track, work hard, no showboating, no fancy stuff, just show up work hard every day and like mm. i think that's the mentality I like i live every day like whether it's track and field whether it's like work whether it's going to a friends and listening to whatever they have to say if they're going through issues like my coaches have always been like that for me my, my family's always been like that so yeah i think uh i think a little of everyone that I, i've encountered in my life and been friends with whatever i think they've helped sh- shape me and give me a lot of lessons to be who i am and like at the end of the day, it doesn't that doesn't make me like a perfect guy? That doesn't make me a good guy, whatever. Like at the end of the day, you judge who you want to judge. But I think they've instilled a lot of values that like are um, a lot of good values. Yeah, I, I can't say it anymore any, any better than that. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson 
or the most important lesson that one of your coaches has given you that you still like kind of hold on to today? My high school coach, Craig Cavanaugh, like he was actually a great long jumper. He was actually the CIS record holder back in the day. He was like 770 something jumper. So pretty good for a short white dude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he, uh, he always like preached to have a balance in life. Like sport can't be the only thing that keeps like makes you happy. There's got to be other other hobbies. There's got to be people to keep you happy. There's got to be, you know, uh, sports, whatever, family, whatever it is. You know, you got to find things other than one thing to make you happy. Because if that one thing doesn't exist anymore or you get injured or whatnot, you're going to be like torn down. You know, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough for you. So yeah, I think he, he taught me that from a young age. And like even now, I've dealt with a bunch of injuries the last year and sure there's been rough days you know i can't i can't shy away from that like there's been some days where i, I feel like i've woken up and felt a little bit, bit of depression but at the end of the day like i've been able to balance back and think about what he's taught me and i'm always able to get out of that like really tough spot i think because of him hmm. that's a really that's a really good point and i think it's super important especially because as athletes we tend to be sometimes very like one-dimensional in like single-minded focus, which is great. Obviously, it's great because you're trying to achieve a goal. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, it can almost kind of evolve into like it essentially being our entire life because we focused on it so much. And then once that thing is gone from like our lives, right, then it's almost like we're we're finished because the thing is finished. But we're actually not finished. But because we're so involved in it and because it was who we are and who we defined ourselves by, once it disappeared, right. then essentially like, you know, quote unquote, we also not like you and me, but like we, the, the athlete disappeared along with that, with that thing as well. Right. So that's, yeah. a very, that's a very good point. Yeah. That's why I don't like the term like former Olympian, you know, like mm. once Olympian, always Olympian, you know, like you worked mm-hmm. hard for that. You deserve that title. You know, like <laughs> I think that should always be like a, a title that like is held, held with you, you know, like, cause it does define you in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. sure your life goes on and you have other goals and stuff like that. And it's important to have other goals, but at the end of the day, I think that's the the single handedly like most important thing you you put forth to to make. So I think I don't think that should just go away. You know, I don't think you should just be like, eh, you're not an athlete anymore. Once an athlete, always an athlete. You know, it's not like your hate is over. You can't look down on it and be like, oh man, those days were so good. You know, you don't got to dwell on it like that sense. It was a positive experience or journey or whatever, and you you got to hold it like that. You got to remember it like that. You can't remember it was just the good old days. You know, because the days are still good. It's just not the same as it was. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The days are still good. You're absolutely correct. That's a really, <laughs> that's interesting. You know, I never thought about it that way either. That, that's a really good point. The days are still good. You're right. Yeah. And like, I work at a running store and like, honestly, probably two or three times a day, I hear like, oh man, you don't want to get older. You got all these back issues, knee issues, ankle issues, whatever it is. Enjoy the time while you're young. I'm like, yes, I'm enjoying the time while I'm young, but I'm also going to enjoy the time when I'm 50. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you live your life just thinking, Every day that you get older, it's going to be worse and worse and worse. That's like a miserable way to live your life. <laughs> like that sounds awful to me. If you don't think of it like as like every day you're getting worse and every day you're getting closer to something else, I think like that's exciting. You know, mm-hmm. you always got to have a goal. There's got to be something there, like whether it's a trip, uh, a sporting event that you're going to watch, like a concert, you're going to ride your bike on the weekend. There's always something that you hold there that's like, all right, I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to make this day today great because I'm, I'm, I'm getting towards that next day that's going to be even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to have small little goals or even 
big, big goals that, that lead up to like that, that kind of happiness that always keeps you going. It is a good mindset to have. And <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I've heard the same thing as well of like, you know, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to see tomorrow. Like, why don't I want to see, like, I want to see tomorrow actually. Like, you know, yeah. I'd rather be alive to see tomorrow than be dead and not see tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. You gotta be grateful for the little things, man. Like this summer, like I was injured and like, like the little thing, like going for a little bike ride and like watching the sunset. Honestly, that made me so happy. Like, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but like, I just appreciate a lot of little things that I never really like got the opportunity to like sit back and be like, man, that plant over there, that, that thing's beautiful. Like <laughs> nature itself, that's beautiful. Yeah. Like when you actually step back and like, don't think about like having track and field always in your face and like really tunnel vision towards everything and like keep an open mind and like really take in everything around you or what's going on. Like life is pretty beautiful in every sense, you know? Mm. Yeah. Getting spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> Going deep on everybody. No, but that's good. It's true. And and this is really interesting because like I think a lot of people, you know, they focus a lot on their past, right? And it's kind of like training. It's that same mindset of like you have to let go of what happened in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you had a bad workout. Okay, great. Let go of it. You have another one tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a bit harder sometimes when it comes to races. And I think it's harder sometimes, you know, when it comes to like the way we live in our lives as well. But you know, you have to apply that same type of mindset in terms of, you know, yes, that was a bad race. Fair enough. Like you can't deny the bad race and that it happened. But then you have right. to take that going forward to make the next race better. Like the, the next race is a brand new race. Like nothing has happened yet. So which means that anything <laughs> can happen. Right. Yeah. You always got to clean that slate. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Like reflect on it, accept it, learn from it, and then like bounce back and like paint that new picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think at the, at the end of the day, like track and field is a teacher. You learn a lot of lessons from it, hmm. like just the sport itself. But I think you can apply those same lessons from the sport to like your, your everyday life. And I think that's in track and field, the older I get, the longer I've been in the sport, the more I, I, I see those parallels bet- between track and field and like everyday life, work life, family life, whatever it is. Like you can translate the same sort of things you're learning in both aspects, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man yeah i like that i like this conversation by the way it's good <laughs> it's healthy <laughs> that's good <laughs> i'm glad you do <laughs> i would not be happy if you didn't like the conversation so. yeah it's good it's, it's, it's intellectual you know you yeah. got you gotta think deep sometimes and like truly determine like what you're doing in life why you're doing it and uh the process of it all like how how it's all coming together mm-hmm. how long you been in the sport by the way shoot like over 10 years now, probably. Jeez. Yeah. Over a decade. Jeez. That's solid. Yeah. Okay. A Co- couple more questions and then uh, I think we're, I think we'll be good. Um, now, when you look back on everything, like in terms of where you are right now, do you have, do you have any regrets or do you have anything that you would maybe kind of do over or would want to like change or do all over again? Um, no, honestly, no, I think in order to not have regrets, you need to justify every stage of your life. And like, I think, I think I've like been able to do that the last like couple of years and, and like in ways of reflection. And I think every stage has truly helped me get to where I am and like meet the people I have and, um, be in the situations I've been in and the people alone, like, 
they make me not want to change anything you know like mm. the place that i've been they make me not want to go anywhere else like i i'm grateful you know i always say like if i broke my leg and like had permanent damage forever like and i couldn't run anymore obviously i'd be torn but like at the end of the day i've lived like i've lived a pretty good life so far like i can't can't complain I, i'm grateful for that like i want to have even more of those days ahead of me for sure don't get me wrong but i'm happy with everything that's happened the way it has so far that's good so again kind of looking back if you were to go back and tell yourself talk to a young cory i guess you know just in high school just kind of starting out i guess you know not really sure what's about to happen in the future but knowing everything you know now you know go back and talk to a young cory you can only tell him one thing like you found a time machine you're able to go back in time you pop up at your high school whatever you see your younger self and you got like i don't know less than a minute 30 seconds to tell yourself just one piece of like valuable information what would that be what would you tell yourself um <laughs> it's a good question wow um uh, <laughs> young cory i'd love to talk to young cory but i would just tell him probably like stick with whatever you want to do and, and see it through because good things will happen if you put in the hard work hmm. why that because i i think regardless of sport it has nothing to do with sport, nothing to do with anything. But if you find something you like and you put the hard work in, like good things are gonna come. You're gonna enjoy that process of like putting in the work for something you love and seeing good things come out of that. Like hard work doesn't go in, you know? <laughs> you put in the hard work and something's gonna come from it eventually. It might not happen today, it might not happen tomorrow, but eventually down the road, at one point or another, something's gonna happen, whether it's like you get a good job and you get promoted to a better position or consistency over time for track and field eventually you're going to pop that time you want you know as long as you stick through stick with it and like keep pursuing that goal and aligning other things in your life to make sure that goal happens i think eventually if you have the talent and have the mindset and work hard and keep your life balanced in some store keep that family support keep the support around around you there's nothing to say like you can't do something hmm. you know you it's just about you it's about how much discipline you have like I think that's what I would just tell him. Whatever you want to do, like see it through, stick with it, and good things will come out of that, no matter what it is. It's good. Where can people contact you? Where can people get in touch with you if they want to, you know, reach out to you? Uh, I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold. So like Instagram DM, tweet at me, email me, whatever it is. However you find a way to contact me, you do that. And I'll give anyone the time of day. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm too good for anyone. Like I think we're all equal. I like uh, talking to people a lot. I like listening to people even more. So, yeah, however wants, anyone wants to like reach out to me or whatnot, do so. Sweet. So make sure you guys reach out to Corey on Twitter or Instagram or send him a message and, you know, tell him that you listened to the podcast and that he was amazing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't get to pipe us up. <laughs> <Yeah. That's awesome. laughs> no, but yeah, feel free to reach out to him for sure. Um, Corey, man, you know, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for like, you know, kind of sharing your insights, man. It was, it was pretty cool to, to, to hear your story and kind of some of the, you know, the backgrounds of kind of how you got to where you are today. It was, it was pretty awesome and like kind of eye-opening. Great conversation too, man. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to do it. Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me, having me on. You were a, a great leader on the team when I, when I met you back in the day. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we were able to just, like keep in contact and I'm glad you have this platform to allow athletes to like open up and say what they need to say or like reflect on their journey. I think it's awesome. 
I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. No problem. Hey, thanks so much for listening. That's it for today's episode. Um, thank you for your time. I hope you guys have a great uh, day, great afternoon. Great wherever and wherever you are. For more episodes or for any details about the Inner Olympian or anything like that, you can check us out on Instagram at theinnerolympian.co. Um, also, if you like the show, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a comment, leave a review, leave five stars. I'm just saying. Um, as well, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that that you'd like to share, feel free to send a message to support at theinnerolympian.com or send me a message on you know Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, let me know what's going on, and I'll see you guys next time. So until then, peace. <laughs>